Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Well, good evening, 5 p.m. Welcome to church tonight. Great to have you here. Thank you for being part of our service tonight. Welcome if you're new, if you've not been before or this is a recent thing for you, great to have you in church. And uh, we hope you feel the warmth of our love and our welcome, our friendship as a church tonight as we're kicking off the start of this year. My name's Derek, if we've not met before, and looking forward to the opportunity of meeting with you tonight if the opportunity sort of presents itself. But listen, tonight my heart is that as we open the Word of God tonight, there'd just be a message that He would write on our hearts. You know, that there'd be something that he would be able to reset for us as we begin this journey of 2024. I've called tonight's message, Cultivating Your Loves. Because I guess in the plans of what you have in front of you for the year, I'm sure there's been a little moment of reflection and reset where you've said, you know, am I going to have a 2024 the same as I've had my 2023? What is it about last year that I will bring forward with me into this year? And what is it that I'd like to leave behind so that I don't repeat the patterns of things this year of last year? What is it that I could do differently? I'm sure whether or not we call it a resolution, where we call it goal setting, there's a moment probably where we've thought, I wonder if I could have a different year in this year. I wonder if there's one or two things that could just drop off and other things I could pick up on that I haven't done before. Tonight, I just want to look at that. I want to look at some things that I think Jesus said, and this is the direction we're going to head in. So just so you know where we're going, this is what I'd love to do. Firstly, I'd love to look at this statement. You are what you love, but you don't always love what you think. You are what you love, but you don't always love what you think you love. So we're going to look at what does it mean for me to be a creature that loves and how does that affect how I bring change into my life one way or the other. And then what I'd love us to do is then look at what Jesus said about loves. Jesus didn't do a lot of commanding when he was teaching, he taught a lot. He taught some wonderful things about how to live well, how to, how to embrace the Father, how to engage in, in, in relationship with him. But when he did command, I think it's worth listening to. Commandments are different to teaching. Teaching is like, this would be a good idea. Commandments are like, no, this is what you should do. In fact, it's almost prescriptive. And so we're going to look at three of the commandments that Jesus gave that relates to the loves of our life. There's a scripture in Proverbs that uh, you've probably seen before. You've probably got it on a plaque at home. You've probably seen it in Kurong or any other places you've gone. It says this in Proverbs 3 verse 23, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Guard your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. If we pull apart the translation just a little bit, the word guard sounds a bit defensive. It sounds like, you know, I'm protecting against something. The word in the Hebrew is actually better translated cultivate. Because cultivate is both 
bring in the new, cultivate the good, but also eliminate the weeds, you know, get rid of the things that shouldn't be there. So guard is one thing, it's part of it, but cultivate is really what that word means. Cultivate your heart. The word heart in the Hebrew actually means the affections of your heart, the loves of your heart. So cultivate the loves of your heart, for out of it springs the issues of life. Issues of life, again, if we looked at that in more detail, is actually more speaking to the boundaries of your life. So if we were sort of to paraphrase Solomon's wisdom in 21st century language, it would be something like, cultivate the right affections, cultivate the right loves, because the things you love will determine the type of life that you live. The things that you love will determine the type of life that you live. This whole idea of right affections or the right things to love. Can I, can I throw this at you tonight that what you love really matters? What you love deep inside really matters. You know, we've been trying to solve this sort of story by the Western world that we are just brains on a stick that we're here to think our way through life, and if we can get ourselves to think a certain way, then we can direct our will, and we can then will ourselves forward in the direction we want to go. The only problem with all that is it's not true, and it doesn't work. Because the challenge is, you know, the things that we love actually determine our life, and the engine that drives you is not your mind, but your heart. It's the deeper affections, because what you love is much stronger than what you think. And we know this is true when it comes to ice cream because we know ice cream makes you fat. But I love it and I can't stop buying it. I know that when I stick it in the trolley at the grocery, at the supermarket, it'll end up in my belly. And so I tell myself all kinds of things like, well, I'll just buy less of it. I'll buy smaller tubs. I'll get, you know, but all it means is I'm just buying more tubs because I just love it. My head tells me it makes me fat. And at my age, looking at ice cream makes me fat. But my heart longs for it. So if I'm ever going to change my dietary habits, I've got to change what I long for. Because I can try and think my way at it as much as I want, but my brain is no match for the driving engine of my longings, my desires that sit inside. And though it's a kind of a trivial kind of example, it's true of our entire life. You are facing in the direction of the things you love. And you're already doing it. Subconsciously and consciously, you're facing that direction. You can have all the knowledge that certain things are right and wrong, but have you found that you then act completely differently to the things you know? Because there's something deep inside that's driving you. James K.A. Smith says this, you are propelled by what you long for. You are fundamentally a lover. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, you are fundamentally a lover tonight. <laughs> there you go. You didn't realize you could come to a Baptist church tonight and be told that you're a lover? Well, you just did. You are fundamentally a lover. And your love's driving your life. The other thing about love that's worth noting as we get started here is love is a habit. You learn to love. See, physical hunger is a biological necessity. You will get hungry. But what you actually eat 
is the thing you've learnt to love. So you can't stop the biological necessity, but you are facing towards the type of food you'll eat based on the things you've taught yourself to love. If you love cream buns, you'll eat them. You will. You'll go past the bakery, the smell of that baking bread in the morning will captivate your nostrils and you will turn towards it and you will grab one and you will eat it because you have taught yourself that when you are hungry, the food that you'd love to have is this, whatever that is. You have learnt to love it. And here's where this works in reverse as well. Once you've learnt to love it, it's interesting that the food itself, when you see it, though you don't have a need for the calories, will actually trigger hunger in you because you've seen it and now you'd like it. You can always find that extra bit extra. Is that true? Is anybody with me tonight? Can you see how the things that you love are actually shaping and driving you? And though we're talking about food because I'm trying to sort of keep it at a level that's sort of surface, we can take this as deep as you like. Because ultimately, as you learn to love things, whether those things are positive or destructive, they become either a noose around your neck or something that propels you forward into positive. The question is, what do you love? There's a wonderful statement by Anton de Saint-Exupéry. I think that's how you say his name. I've never known how to say his name, but I love what he says. When he says, if you want to build a ship, don't drum up people to collect wood and don't assign them tasks and work, but rather teach them to long for the endless immensity of the sea. Isn't that true, really? When you think about it, you may not be in the shipbuilding business tonight. I'm going to say that carefully from stage not in the shipbuilding business tonight, but you can understand that if you want to put a group of men together and send them out into the wilderness of the sea and you want them to do the task, the hard work of sailing and building and doing that, the thing that will drive them is the longing to be out there. Because anything you've got to do, any obstacle you've got to get past, any adversary you've got to overcome, any problem you've got to solve will only be something you do along the way to the thing you ultimately want to get to. It's a powerful statement of how loves and the longings and the desires that sit in our heart drive us and move us forward. It's one of the great challenges, I think, of social media and, and online shopping. You know, when you sit your phone in the room anonymously and you're having a private conversation with somebody and your phone is listening to you and then suddenly every ad under the sun comes your way, every shopping deal, every opportunity to get it freight free and come with a set of steak knives is all possible and presented to you over the course of the next week. The challenge is when we start to now get our longings fed to us, it's not only feeding us the things that we desire and want but it's also excluding a lot of other things. And so our loves don't just draw us forward, but our loves actually start to focus us in, narrow us down, and exclude all other options. And so it's a powerful force on the inside of the human heart. Jesus had a lot to say about loves. Jesus wanted us to curate our loves, to actually be intentional about the way that we would form the loves of our heart. And he had three commandments well, he had a few commandments, but three big ones that he, he spoke to when he walked on the earth. When the lawyer came to him in the Gospels and said, you know, teacher, what is the great commandment? 
what would you say? He said, well, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul and all of your strength. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. In other words, there's nothing left to love with. It's heart, it's soul, it's strength, it's mind, it's emotion, it's body. It's all of you. Love the Lord your God. And so how do we do that? You know, it's one thing to hear that commandment and say, well, that's, that's great. I want to take my year in 2024. I want to direct it toward loving God more. How do I do that? What, what does that look like? Do I, you know, am I taking a, a lute and sitting on a hill somewhere and composing music like David? Am I, you know, what, what does it look like for me to be deeper in love with God? How do I get there? I reckon the first place we start is first we recognize that we are also the object of love, the object of love of God. God has loved us before we ever were determined to love him. I love this psalm in Psalm 139, verse 13. It says this, For you, God, formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I want you to think about that for a minute. You're not the product of your mother and father, though clearly they had something to do with it. But if you believe that's really your origin point, then you've missed the idea that God, who is the creator of all things, destined for you to be here before the beginning of time. God, in his infinite wisdom and ability to see down through the annals of time, saw you. He authored you. And David, as he's writing this psalm, says, that's, what, that's where I came from. The idea of me, the great love story of my life being in this world today is because God saw me. He saw you. And he said, I choose you. I want you. I want you to exist, and I want you for myself. I want relationship with you. I want closeness with you. I want intimacy with you. And I'll form you, and I see you, and I actually love you and like you. And David saw that picture. And so clearly, you know, our, our parents and we're the product of them and those things happen. But who is the real author of you? Well, it's God. And until we start to get the picture of this, that it's not, it's not some temporal thing. We're part of a great eternal love story. There's too many wonders in this world. There's too many amazing things that you can look around you. How on earth would those things have happened without God? But so much we're so busy at times and we're moving through life and, we're, and we've just got just enough bandwidth to just get through the next day and the next week and the next month that we don't stop to reflect and say for a minute, hang on a minute, I'm part of a great story, a bigger story. I'm not just a school teacher, I'm not just a carpenter, I'm not just a fitness instructor, I'm not just someone that that's, has their own business, so I'm, not, you know, I'm not just a mum and a dad, or I'm not just a, a person that's finishing uni or starting uni, wherever you are in, in the journey of, of your education, I'm not just that person. I'm actually part of a great love story. And what I do is not nearly as important as who I am and who made me. And David saw that and said, you know what? This is a really important conversation. And he goes on and he says, I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works that that my soul knows very well. 
My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written. The days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. Isn't it incredible that God actually has every single day mapped for you, planned? He knows how many days. The reality is you're an eternal being. You'll live forever. But on this earth, you'll live for a certain amount of days. But that won't be the end of you. You'll go on and on and on. The question is, where will you be? Whose will you be? Who's to belong to? See, if you can catch a picture tonight that you've always belonged to him, He's always seen you and authored you. He's always loved you and pursued you. His whole love story is coming after you. If you could catch a picture of that tonight, you'll realize that your existence is in him and you'll never ever leave this, the safety and the security of being in him. That's the destiny of your life. And the, the realization of that brings to us such, such incredible perspective as we walk through this time. And then this psalmist goes on and says, How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. Could you imagine that? That God is thinking thoughts of you, just you, that are more in number than the sand. I don't know how much grains of sand are just on the Gold Coast alone, but that's not even the Sunshine Coast, and that's not even one of the coasts on the eastern coast of Australia, let alone the rest of this country and the world, but the sand that is sitting on the seashore. God's thoughts are so unmeasurable towards you. God is daydreaming about you all the time. He's thinking about you all the time. He's with you in his thought and his emotion and his presence all the time. If you can catch a glimpse of this, it's not that how, does, how do I get closer to God? He is already here. The question is, how can I open my heart to him and involve him more in my life? Because he's already thinking about you. How could I think a little bit more about him? How could I get closer to him? How do I love God a little bit more? Well, there was a great theologian, Arrhenius, that said, we are made by a creator and for a creator. I encourage you in 2024, how could you make some more room for this God? How could you start to be more aware of the God that is already present with you, thinking about you, loving you? You know, can I encourage you tonight? He, he is a person. He's not a being out there in the universe. He's not just someone who's indifferent, who set in motion this thing all these thousands of years ago and is standing back watching, hoping that it all kind of works out. That's not God. God is deeply involved. He is a person. He is a friend. He is someone that you can speak to. He wants to walk through every moment of the day. He wants you to take the problems that you have and discuss them with him. If you're facing a situation in your study and you say, God, I just can't work it through. I don't know how to make this happen. Have you ever thought to talk to him about it? Why don't you turn to your greatest friend who's thinking every thought about you every moment of the day and say, God, what would you do? How could you help me here? My best friend, how would you talk to me about this? What is the way through? 
Could you show me? You know, sometimes we don't hear from God because we just don't talk to him. We don't expect him to talk back. And so we go on to think, well, you know, God's there and I'm here and I'll just get on with it. Hopefully he'll bless what I do. I believe God wants more than that. And there's such a richness as we get involved with him. So love God, Jesus said. And the second thing he said is love others. He said love others. Love others others could you find a way in 2024 to take yourself out of the middle of your story just a little bit more what could you do what would you do differently in 2024 that you could take yourself out of the middle of the story what does it mean to love others love is really a God invention God designed what love is love is actually the movement of self towards the other irrespective of the cost Jesus said, greater love has no man that he laid down his life. So the laying down of the life is is a big deal. I mean, that's a sacrifice. That's all you've got. The best you've got is your life. If I give it to you, then I'm giving you all I've got. That's what love looks like. Love is a whole body, mind deal. And we're all in. How could I do that more this year? What would that look like for you? Last year for me was a particularly tough year in the area of just offenses. I found myself all year weeding the garden of just being offenses. People, I don't know whether you found this to be true, but people are different to you. (laughs) They're not like me. See, if everyone was like me, I'd get on really great with them. But they're not like me. (laughs) They're different. How dare they be different like that? How dare they? But in their difference, of course, they have different opinions. They have different thoughts, and they want to express those thoughts. And sometimes those thoughts become a little annoying or disappointing or discouraging. Has anybody ever walked through life long enough to know this? And as a few of them start to accumulate, you can start to find yourself feeling a bit of unforgiveness towards people. That was my year in 2023. It seemed like one week after the next, there was somebody else, there was something else that was coming my way. And I found myself building up this feeling of frustration and disappointment, and and I could feel it starting to poison my soul. I was working hard all year last year to weed the garden, to forgive, to let go, to build bridges, to love people, to, to put aside our differences, to, to, to go to people proactively, make it right where possible. It was just one of those years, and I look back, and it was hard in that area, but it was worth it. It was worth it to not carry the offense, to not have people fall out with each other, and to mend the bridges where possible. I don't know what you're looking to do in 2024 to love people more, but I can tell you one way you can do it is don't let offenses build up. If you've got people that you need to say sorry to, say it. If you've got people you've got to build bridges with, build the bridge. If you've got people that you need to make it right in your heart, let them go. Don't, don't say you've forgiven them, but privately punish them by removing yourself from it or all the things that we do to sort of posture. No, I mean, have a clean heart. Literally say to them, I've forgiven you and I've let it go. If you can get to the place where your heart no longer twinges every time you're with them, then you know you're free. And I know when I say that, that, that this, is, this is not a simple thing to do because in a room like this, there'll be all kinds of different offenses that you might be carrying. 
up this one end up here are the easy types. They're the little niggles, the little disappointments, the things that happen, the little disagreements that happen amongst people and all that sort of feels tough, but it's simple. Up the other end here though, there can be offenses that come through violent abuse, through terrible things that have been said or done, injustices that have happened to people's hearts. And I know this stuff is very, very hard. And yet Jesus still says love. And it's not as easy as the niggles down there, but it's just as rewarding. Because at the end of the day, if we carry it forward, we carry forward the pain, we carry forward and something in our soul begins to twist. And Jesus says, I want you to be free. You say, yes, but it's not fair. It's not fair, you don't understand. Injustice has been done and I want justice. And if I don't demand it, it won't happen. Well, that's the point of forgiveness. We all face these daily choices. What will you choose? What will you choose? Love others, Jesus said. And the other thing he said, number three that he commanded was, love the kingdom. In fact, he said in Matthew, he said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. But that word seek, if you look at it in the Greek, is a word that actually means cultivate. Can you see a theme starting to come out tonight that in the seeking first, what it means is cultivate your love for the kingdom. In other words, there's a veneer that this world presents to us. It, it looks appealing. It sort of has a structure to it. It invites us. It beckons us. It's about performance. It's about achievement. It's about accumulation. It's about the things that we have. It's about the people that we know. It's about the networks and the doors that we can open. And all of these things are part of the world that we live in. It seems so real and so powerful and something we've actually got to engage in. And then this, it's like a veneer, but behind the veneer is the kingdom kingdom of God and the kingdom of God isn't any of that what is the kingdom of God and Romans says the kingdom of God is righteousness peace and joy hang on how on earth is that going to help me in the world that presents itself Jesus says, don't seek that world, seek my world. There's a power in my world that will transcend that other world. You'll start to see it for what it is. You'll see it for the temporary satisfaction that it is. You'll see it for what it's trying to pull from your soul and drain from who you are, take you away from the identity of who I've called you to be. If you keep competing in that space, but you lack the insight into my kingdom, it'll take you down roads you don't want to go. Seek the kingdom. Seek the kingdom first. Can I tell you tonight, there's nothing more valuable that you'll ever own than your understanding of the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God sounds like a confusing sort of theological term and probably said like that, it, it is confusing. What is the righteousness of God? Well, the righteousness of God is just simply the relationship that he wants to have with you and the place that he's provided for you to have it. Nothing you need to do, there's nothing you need to achieve, he's already given it to you. He's given you a place to stand in, and he's given you an open heart before him to have a relationship with him, and he's provided it for you. And he did it by sending his son. His son is the living 
proof. It's the flesh and blood of the contract and covenant that's between heaven and earth, between God and man. It's the God of heaven becoming man and the man pointing us to God. It's the fusion of the two kingdoms coming together, written in the flesh of a man called Jesus, who walked this earth, he performed the miracles of the kingdom, and he said, this is the way you live. And he said, I wanna introduce you to my father. He's not a God that's far away in heaven, he's actually a God that loves you, he's a father to you, and he wants to be close to you. And just like I am a son to him, I wanna show you how you can be a son or a daughter to him. Come and stand in my shoes. Folks, it's the will of God. This whole book, this whole Bible is just simply about this covenant that happened between heaven and earth. How Jesus stands in the center of this story is the evidence of God's will towards us. It couldn't be any more compelling. It couldn't be any more true. It couldn't be any more of the reality. And as we look into that, as we see the model into the mirror of what Jesus is trying to communicate, he's trying to communicate some standing that you've already got. You've got a place. You don't have to do something to get that place. You don't have to be something to get that place. You've got it now. He just wants you to enter into it. I got a picture of this some years ago. My son, Joden, hope will not mind me telling this story, but uh, too late anyway, I'm gonna tell it. But um, let, let me put it this way. Let's hope he forgives me for telling, me this, telling this story tonight. He was probably in his late primary school years and he had a mate that used to come over often. The two of them would you know, kind of do what they did around the house and just muck around together. And this, this young kid that used to come with him I could never kind of win him you know I was always trying to sort of crack into that relationship with him and draw him in close I, I wanted him to feel like part of the family but he always sort of stood back he was always you know he wouldn't come into the lounge room necessarily you know I'd say to him have anything you like in the fridge if you want a drink just grab he never would you know here's some food I'll just have a car oh, you hungry no not really I knew he'd be starving but no no not really and I could just never kind of warm him up and one day I was sitting on the couch in the lounge room and I saw this orange Nerf gun just disappear behind the other couch on the other side of the room. And I could hear, don't make any noise, as they're plotting the assault. And, you know, we were silly enough to buy these Nerf guns and there was like a million bullets, you know, that would be, and you'd be finding them for years later everywhere. And then I looked on the other side of the couch and there was another little Nerf gun that was sort of coming up over the side and I thought, okay, it's on. This is it. I'm, I'm the target. We're, we're, we're going to have sort of rumble here. And then suddenly out of nowhere, they're up, shooting this kind of Nerf gun at me. And I'm off the couch. I'm diving, trying to grab one and suppress the fire while I get the other one and get my knife. No, no, no knife. But I'm going to take this one out and... And, and we wrestle for a while as we kind of have this war together. And I'm, I'm exhausted, like I'm, I'm puffing, breathing. I'm like, okay, boys, we're done. <laughs> I'm done. And, uh, and, and it was just one of those moments when we kind of collapsed onto the floor. And on this side, I had my son. And on this side, in this arm, I had this other kid. And as it happened, I remember the Spirit of God whispering something into me and saying to me th these simple words, that's the gospel. That's the gospel. 
It took me a few sort of weeks or so to unpack what did, what did God, the Lord say to me. What does he mean by that is the gospel? But what I realized is that the freedoms and the relationship that is automatically available to my son, who knows me, he knows my heart for him, he knows that I love to play, I want to be a part of that, that, that we'll have fun and we'll rumble and we'll do those things. The freedoms that he knows intimately about me had now become and entered into the heart and mind of his friend. And his friend was playing inside the freedom that my son was modeling. Inside the permission of my son's relationship with me, this boy entered in. That's the story of Jesus. Jesus is the son. And he's saying to you and I, this is my relationship with my father. Come enjoy my father. This is the shoes you'll stand in. This is the permission that I give you. He is father to you, just as he is father to Jesus. And that's a big idea. But that's why Jesus said, seek righteousness. It's not that you're seeking a standing or a behavioral pattern or a way to be good and perfect and all that. It's got nothing to do with that. It's got to do with the revelation of being a son or a daughter and who you already have positioned with. As you get that revelation, you will come into a place of peace and joy because everything is right between heaven and earth. And it's all right with you. He's looked after anything that could separate you. And some of you won't know what this feels like yet as a parent, but I don't care what my kids do, I will always love them. It's got nothing to do with their behavior. And God, surely, who invented the whole idea of parenting, is a slightly better parent than me. Surely that even means more to him than it does to me. God has been relentlessly pursuing you since the beginning of time, since he authored you before time began, before you were even placed in the earth here. He was all, he's already been pursuing you. He's already taken away everything that could possibly stand between you and the Father. He came to the earth to model to us what it looks like to be a son, and then he says, come stand in my shoes. Play Nerf gun wars with my dad. And that's the invitation of the gospel. That's the freedom. That's why peace and joy comes out of righteousness. Because it's not some theological term that's stuffy and full of cobwebs. It's actually this living, breathing relationship with the real person of heaven who is God himself, who wants to be in your life. He wants to talk to you. He wants to be a part of your life. He's not an abstract idea. He is living, breathing life itself. That's the God that we serve. That's why seeking righteousness. The Holy Spirit has been sent to this earth to help us find the shoes of Jesus. That's why Romans 8 says that the Spirit of God is crying out, Abba, Father, in our hearts. Why? Because he's crying out the song, Abba, Father, in you, so you'll start to hear it and pick it up as your song. It's not his song, it's your song. He's singing it for you, saying, hey, start singing this tune. 
It's called, I'm a son of God. I'm a son of God. I can't sing, but I'm going to sing it anyway. And I'm going to rejoice in the relationship that's there. I reckon there's a revelation sweeping the globe right now. It's being restored to the church. And it comes from the experience of what happened to Jesus when he was baptized. Jesus was baptized by John in the, in the Sea of Galilee. He's being baptized there. And as he comes up out of the water, a voice is heard. Plenty of people heard it. It was written down by the gospel writers. And it said this. The voice was the Father's voice. And he said, this is my son whom I love, in whom I am well pleased. Son and daughtership, the place of relationship. That's what God wants for you. And then once you know that, he wants you to know that he loves you. And that love is unrelenting. He, you can't change it. You can't do anything to dis disappoint him. You can't do anything to discourage him. But here's the bit we have the most trouble with. I am well pleased with you. The message I want you to hear tonight is God doesn't just love you. He likes you. And there's a big difference. He likes you. He just likes hanging with you. He made you how you are, your quirky personality, your, your pet frog collection you have at home, your stamps that you swap secretly you don't want anyone to know about what, what you know your your desire for cream buns or ice cream he loves that you love those things he he loves that you're a fitness freak or not or maybe more or not he loves you he loves that you're an introvert that loves a bit of time just at home with a book with shutting the world out for a while but he'd love to be there with you can you see, you are a son and daughter that he loves, in whom he is well pleased. I reckon that's one of the hardest journeys we make as people actually believing that God would be pleased with us. Tonight, Jesus is offering something far greater than you imagined. I'd love to encourage you to enter into that. As you start 2024, as you think about what are the longings and the loves of your heart that are directing your future, where are you heading? Ask yourself this question, if I focus on loving God more, if I can make more room for the person of God, if I can love others, perhaps forgive others, if I could seek the kingdom, if you could do that, just a couple of things like that this year, where will you be this time next year if every day there was just one more step you could take like that? In all that you do, Find God. Come on, let's pray that tonight. Can I ask the band to come? Let's just pray together. Father, you're so good. So good. You love us. You desire us. You make a way for us. You send your spirit to coach us and train us. You give us a word, the Bible, that we can follow, that we can map us. You give us a community of faith that we can live in, that we can settle in and be part of. You bring around our lives so much. We are so grateful. Father, tonight, I pray that you'd move on every heart. God, that you'd persuade us just a little bit more. 
God, that you are, your relentless love for us, God, is so easily returned by us that we could be a little more conscious of you this year in 2024 than we've been before. Help us tonight, God. Encourage our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I just um, really believe there's probably many responses tonight to this message. And probably the Spirit of God's already writing some of those in hearts right across this room. But there's just two I'd love to direct our attention to if I can. I reckon there's one thing we might need to receive and there's one thing we might need to give. The thing I'd love us to contemplate receiving tonight is receive the forgiveness of God. I reckon there's people here tonight and you keep looking back to something that's happened, some point, some point of disappointment, some point of failure, some point of shame, some point of an issue that's taken place. And for you, it's like it's defined you. It's almost like it's the anchor that says, God couldn't love me because. Or I can't find intimacy with God because. And it's as if this thing, this idea, this posture of yours is, is enough to thwart the presence of God coming close to you. Can I say tonight, it's not possible for that to happen. God will keep coming. The will of God is far greater. His love for you is far deeper. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. We have to come to a point, though, where we release it. We say, God, I'm not going to use this as my reason no, why I can't be closer with you. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to allow to, the forgiveness of God to flood my heart and life again. I reckon there's people tonight, there's a letting go moment for you. Receive the forgiveness of God. There may even be folks here tonight and, and you're yet to make a first time commitment towards the Lord. In other words, you've never contemplated the idea that God could be friend, that God could be personal, that God could be actually not just removed in the heavens. But tonight you're sitting here thinking, you know what? It actually might be true. And so you want to take the first step towards that relationship with God. You want to receive the idea of the gospel tonight. Can I encourage you to make that decision? Make it tonight. Then I think there's something to give. I think tonight we need to give forgiveness. We thumb some here and tonight there's people you need to release. Let them go. Let go of the offense. Let go of the hurt. Let go of the debt. Let go of the judgment that you're holding for them. Let go of your need for justice on a particular time frame. It's got to happen a certain way, in a certain manner. And I feel like the Spirit of God is saying to you, let it go. He wants to pry your fingers off it. He says, it's killing you. Let it go. So maybe there's something tonight you want to receive from God. Maybe there's something tonight you want to give and release. But that's you. What I want to encourage you to do, I won't embarrass you at all, but would you stand where you are? We're going to pray for you. Just stand in your seat. You don't need to come to the front, but I'd love you just to stand and say, yeah, I'm grabbing one of those things tonight. That's for me. I'm going to reset my year in a different way. This is really important to me. I'm going to mark the moment and ask God to come and help you 
as you make that decision. Come on, just right across this building. I want you to begin to stand now. I won't leave you standing long, but stand so we can pray. Make the commitment, say, that's for me. I'm resetting this part of my life. Don't worry about the people around you. They're already pulling for you anyway. Anyone that's seated is seated because they're saying, God, I thank you for where I am with you, but I'm praying for everybody else. That's it. Just right across this place. Just stand. That's you. That's my moment to receive or it's my moment to give. Don't take the baggage home. Leave the baggage here. Come on, just a couple more moments. I reckon there's some people here, your heart, hearts are just beating, saying, I just know this is for me. Just close your eyes and stand and no one will see you do it. that are standing if you know the people that are standing or they're close by just put a hand on them if you can so they're not just standing there by themselves but those that are standing I'd love to lead you in a prayer and what all this is about is is you just simply allow my words to frame what's in your heart maybe you want to repeat this prayer in your heart quietly maybe just a whisper but pray to him do that together Lord Jesus I receive your word tonight I receive forgiveness into my heart tonight I release the thing in my past that I've held on to I no longer wish to carry it Lord Jesus I want to be free And so I give it to you. Tonight is my line in the sand. Father, renew my heart. Refresh my love for you. And God, for those I need to forgive, help me. Give me the strength. Give me the resilience. Give me the wisdom to release people that have offended me. You may want to mention their name if it's obviously something private, keep it you know, very quietly, but, but release them. Father, tonight I pray for them and I pray that you would release the debt in Jesus' name. Father, that 2024 would be a new year. A new year of new beginnings, new things, new opportunity, new faith, new depth of our love for you. God, these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, why don't we all stand together and just join those that have already stood tonight. We're going to sing together something. Let's let's just allow our hearts to worship God tonight. I love this song. I love what it says about the nature of God. I love what it says about who we are to Him. Come on, let's affirm that as we, as the team lead us.
It's such a great truth in that song. God, you are good. You are good. He is good all the time. Amen. He is good. He is good. Thank you for being here with us 5 p.m. It's great to be a part of this community. I just encourage you in the weeks ahead, reset with God. Go deeper with Him. Walk with Him. Be personal with Him. Let Him be personal with you. Change the nature of the way you approach Him. And watch what He does. Let Him speak to you. He will. He is a great friend. I have found Him to be loyal and faithful and good. And He will never leave you. He will never let you down. Hey, thanks for a good night. Enjoy supper together. See you back in church next Sunday. We're, we're pulling for you. We believe in you. If you need anything, this church is here to help you walk with Jesus. Have a great night. Talk to you soon. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.